0: Welcome back to episode 76 of Sporting Max. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link, connecting you and your business with the biggest stars in the world through events and experiences. Please welcome number 76, former Melbourne City player who's trained with the Brisbane Roar early in his career, Ross Archibald. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max. Today, we're joined by a man who's played overseas soccer. He's played for Melbourne City in the A League. He's trained with the Brisbane Raw. He's been a part of their side for a year or two. Rob, sorry, sorry, no, nah, sorry. I just had a start mind again. blank. Sorry, I'll start again.
1: <laughs> I don't
0: know. I don't know what was going on there.
1: That's all right. Start again.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max. With today, we're joined by a man who's played overseas in Germany. He's played for Melbourne City. He's trained for a year or two with the Brisbane Royal side. Ross Archibald. Welcome to the podcast, Ross. Uh, it's amazing to have you on. Um, for you to come here, come today, and have a chat um, with us online. How are you going at the moment?
1: Thanks, Max. Cheers, mate. No, it's good, mate. Um, as I said to you just off air, I've, I've just got out of a meeting, so um, yeah. definitely not. Coming from from training or anything anymore these <laughs> days, but um, but now nah, today's been really really good, and looking forward to, to having a chat today with you.
0: Um, so Ross, I'd like to start off with sort of what your childhood was like. Um, growing up for you in the Redlands.
1: Yeah, so I um I grew up in Queensland. Uh, my parents um immigrated over here about thirty years ago from Scotland. so They're both from Scotland. Came came mm-hmm. here looking for a bit of a, a new start and a bit of a better life. So they they ended up uh, moving to Queensland in the Redlands. Um which is kind of in between Gold Coast, Gold Coast and Brisbane. Um, and yeah, I went to school there and then was lucky enough um, to move to Brisbane Boys College in year eight when I gained a sporting <laughs> scholarship there um, to, to play soccer. So that um, I used to travel around an hour and a half every day to, to get to, to Brisbane wow. Boys College, which was, which was um, a great experience for me going to, to such a prestigious school <clears> um, and opened a lot of doors for me as well. Um, and probably shaped me into the, to the man I am today. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a brief summary of my, my childhood.
0: So, how did you earn, um, I guess, a scholarship at that boys,
1: Brisbane Boys College? Yeah, look, it's something in, um, that uh, came up just through my sport. So, when I was younger, I was um, playing in the representative teams and that, and stuff you do as a, as a young kid trying to, you know, get yeah. on new sport um and you know i was keen to kind of maybe step outside my comfort zone a little bit i didn't really think about it too much honestly until Mm -hmm. um i started you know playing for queensland and 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 coming through the representative sides and then maybe Mm -hmm. boring you know going to going to a bit of a um more prestigious school that can open some doors in sport and also Mm -hmm. um, help the education side as well so both sides are important um and, and both you know sides education and support my parents um they do well in um so that was the reason for, for obviously trying to get a scholarship there and, and luckily enough I did and um yeah it was a really great time of my life
0: so what was your time there like um I mean what sort of rank were you in terms of <clears throat> how good did you compare to other players at the school
1: yeah look obviously they, they you know when you when you go to these schools and you get scholarships they expect you to perform and, and do well for the school and, and and I'm going in there as um you know an up-and-coming player so mm-hmm. and and in um, in return I guess you get your your, your free tuition paid for and <laughs> after which is nice and it was good for my parents too so yeah um yeah look we had a really good team back at, at, at school but um and, and as I said it, it helped me kind of become better as a player and also mm-hmm. develop my education and Um, allow me to go on to do things outside of sport as well um which which is a major part of my life too so um yeah like at the school we had a a really good good team but as I said Mm. I'm going there as one of the the players that are going to help the school improve and hopefully do well
0: um so then how did you earn that opportunity to go and play at the Queensland Academy of Sport Cup sort of come about
1: yeah so Back then, there was all the different institutes throughout Australia. So you had your Queensland Academy of Sport, your Vic Institute, your New South Mm -hmm. Wales. So each state had their own institute. And I guess it's a bit of a process when you're playing through... And and the process has kind of changed now in football on how people Mm -hmm. get selected. And the A-League clubs now have their junior academies, which have all come in now. But back in that day, you went through the institutes to go and then hopefully become a professional through through that um, via the institute. So you get picked up playing for your kind of... um, your local team or your local yeah. club and then you progress through the ranks to play for in my my case it was the Redlands mm-hmm. and then you go and play for the the broader metro team and then obviously from that then you can the the, the scouts and the and the people at mm-hmm. the institute look to select you for that program so I think there's only five or six boys per age group Mm-hmm. Um, from the whole of Queensland. It gets like wow. the Institute every, every year. So I was fortunate enough to get one of those spots, mate. And then obviously that opened a few doors for me, playing in national competitions. Mm-hmm. Then you get looked at by obviously the A-League clubs, which was the Brisbane Roar at the time, mm-hmm. um, which is um, the next step in the journey. But that's how it came about getting into the Institutes.
0: What was that like to sort of train with the Brisbane Roar and get um, into, I guess, a part of their side and training team um, through the Queensland Academy of Sport?
1: Yeah, exactly. So that was the next step in the, in the phase, um, you know, when I was 15, I was lucky enough to to get the court from the raw to go and uh, be a part of the youth team side. So yeah. um, and I was very fortunate at the time, um, the raw first team side was coached by um, Ange Postecoglou, who's now mm-hmm. the head coach of um, Glasgow Celtic, um, mm-hmm. and also the ex Socceroos coach, probably one of the most successful coaches mm-hmm. in Australia. So, you know, being a, a junior coming through with him, with Ange at the top, um, as mm-hmm. the head coach at the Raw when yeah. they did so well it was a great experience for me. Um, and I was lucky enough to be at the Raw for three years, three seasons, and I captained their 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 youth team side at the time and got exposure to training with that first team mm-hmm. side and, and being part of that, um, I guess, that winning period for the club, which mm-hmm. was great and great experience for such, you know, I was only 16, uh, 17. <laughs> at the time, so as a young boy, you, mm-hmm. you're thinking, wow, this is unbelievable, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a great time, great time to be a part of that. <laughs>
0: So can you take me through and guide me through that experience um, of training and sort of playing um, maybe a couple of practice matches with the Brisbane Raw?
1: Yeah. So with the Raw, I was, I, I wasn't lucky enough to, to obviously make my debut for the, the first team there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was training with them basically every day. I was rocking up at school late, which I was kind of happy about in and <laughs> I said, you know, like, getting to miss the, the first few hours of school every day because training mm-hmm. the A-League side in the morning, which was nice. And um you know you learn so much from the, the, the those type of players in that team at the time um, a yeah. few of them are retired now but the likes of you know Thomas Breusch and and Matt Smith and um, yeah. everyone will be familiar with Bessart Barisha, who's the, <laughs> well, the leading goal scorers in the A League. He was there at the time, so the quality they had at the at the Raw then was was um, immense. And being a young boy, um, being able to play with those guys and 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 learn off those guys every day was, you know, you, it's like every every young boy's dream. So especially being a local boy as well, um, it was great to to be involved with the club. And I've still got a lot of mates that play for the Raw now. Mm-hmm. um and are doing well there so it's good to see them um also doing really well
0: so what was it like to play with someone at the raw like Bess up russia i mean i remember going to school some days after you played for the victory or the raw and um there'd be kids at school yelling out russia chance" and everything
1: yeah right now as i said he was a he's a colorful character Bess, and and that's yeah. why he's done so well in his career because he's very confident in his own ability and you know he come over here i think he was playing yeah. in germany prior and he was relatively unknown same as yeah. teams, and those two guys especially being those foreigners that come across and part of Andrew's team at the Brisbane royal were instrumental in the success yeah. so seeing that the desire and hunger that he brought to training every day he's a winner There was a lot of winners in that team i think that um time in my life kind of gave me an insight into what a winning culture is mm-hmm. that royal team went 36 games unbeaten which yeah. is
0: yeah, a lot normal. of games,
1: lots of you know, a long streak of winning games, and and mm-hmm. it's, I don't think we'll see that again, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. But it gives gives you an insight, and obviously Ange being you know the head coach at the time shows you what type of man he is and the winning culture that he brings to his team, and he's he's doing that at Celtic now, who are one of the biggest clubs in the world. So great time to be there, and obviously mm-hmm. fond memories and um a lot of learnings as well. As a young boy, you take a lot of learnings, what it takes to get to the top, and and that was a good good for me too.
0: You mentioned Ange Postecoglou. What was he like um, as a coach?
1: Yeah, look, um, you know, day to day with Ange, he, you know, really respect Ange highly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially as young, you know, he loves to give young boys a, a chance. He doesn't, you know, if you're good enough, you're young, you know, young, young, young enough So, like you, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're 16 or you're 30. He'll play you if you're good enough.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and he's all about giving youth a go and, and obviously um, believing in youth and playing to a certain system. So. Yeah, obviously, Ange had no favourites. He, he was there purely in the best interest of the club. And I think you can see that with what he's done at the Socceroos, what he's done now at Celtic and overseas in Japan as well. He takes his teams and he makes them play a certain way and he really believes in his philosophy. So, um, as I said, it was it was great to see Ange um, turn, that, turn that club around, basically. Yeah. And, and 36 games unbeaten is a testament to him and obviously the players that were there at the time.
0: So how did you earn your opportunity and chance to come down to Melbourne and um, play with the Melbourne Heart?
1: Yeah, so at the Raw when Ange left, there was a bit of a changing of the guard there with the new coach coming in and, and things like that. And, um, mm. you know, I, I did get a tap on the shoulder from, from Melbourne Heart at the time saying, would you be interested to come down? So mm. um, I would played them obviously in the youth league. They were part of the youth league as well. So we obviously played each other a few times a year and I'd done quite well. So um, the Melbourne Heart tapped me in the shoulder and um, I'd previously lived in Melbourne before um when I was a bit younger moved down so I was like why not why not give it a go so um yeah at the time they were Melbourne Heart and I came down here and was a part of the youth team side whilst training with the first team on a full-time basis um and it was great experience obviously moving out of home nice and early yeah yourself and you're in a young boy you know just finished school um and yeah mum booted me out of home which was nice (laughs) um, yeah coming down and then um yeah we it was a Bit of a different experience. A lot colder mornings down here, as you'll know, Max. And yeah. it's experience. You got to make your way um, with a new bunch of teammates, you know, new coaching staff, and try and impress there. But um, you know, really happy I did make the move down. Now your debut
0: with the Melbourne Heart. I think you subbed on for Harry Kuehl. Um, in the derby against the Victory, I think it was a four-nil uh, win for you guys. What was that game like for you to sort of um, soak in and take in the atmosphere for you?
1: Yeah, look, it was, a, um, I think I remember training the day before and I wasn't even expecting to play, to be honest. And then oh. the coach put me kind of in the set piece where before a football game, you work on set pieces. Yeah. I was in the set pieces and I was part of the squad doing the set pieces. And I thought, this is a bit strange. I'm not usually in the set
0: pieces. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah, as you said, we we won 4-0 that day and the likes of Harry were playing that day. It was a great day for the club. But I guess I was lucky enough to make my debut debut and probably one of the biggest games of the year in the melbourne derby i'm mm. um, at amy park and it was a full house there so look that's something that you know every kid dreams of whether you play one game or 300 games you just want mm-hmm. to be uh, on the stage and in front of the the big crowds and, and and play um a part you know in a derby like that so mm-hmm. yeah um i think as i said to your fair, i was I, I wasn't lucky enough to go on and have an unbelievable career or anything like that but um it is something that i'll you know cherish um until you know mm-hmm. The day I die was an unbelievable experience.
0: Now, you had your start debut uh, for the Melbourne City in Sydney um, after that sort of just became the, uh, the Melbourne City gone from the heart of the city, obviously, uh, in round one. And there was guys like David Fia and um, Aaron Moy playing. What was this like to sort of take the pitch with them and, you know, be on the same oval as them or ground?
1: Yeah, no, that's it. So yeah, that was the following year, and heart changed from City, and obviously the City Group are a massive organisation and world mm-hmm. sport. You know, probably one of the biggest um, organisations in world sport, and you see in what they've you know done with Manchester City, New York mm-hmm. City, etc. So when the club kind of changed um, to um, to the City Group, you know, there's more expectation and more pressure, and mm-hmm. players like. David Villa came across for a four-game stint. Um, you know, he'd won the Champions League the year before with Athletic. Yeah. The guy was a, probably one of the best strikers to ever play in the world. You have Damien Duff, who played with Chelsea. Um, mm. Great person, unbelievable footballer. Um, just so much experience and, yeah, one of the classiest people I've, I've come across in the game. And then players like Aaron Moy, who are more local, who have done great things mm. for and um, have gone on. So the team was really strong. They went and got some big names and yeah. I was lucky enough to, yeah, make my debut that starting um, that round one game in Sydney in front of a pretty decent, healthy crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, put, it was a one-one draw. We put on a good performance, but yeah, as I said, another great, great experience. David Villa come off the bench and scored that game. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think every person in that ground wanted to see David Villa that day and, and come on and score. Yeah. And it did. So um, <laughs> yeah, being on the ground for that and, you know, watching him play in a champions league final the, mm-hmm. the year before that, um, to have someone like him on Australian shores at the time, um, I think we're all very lucky to see him in the flesh because he's a one-in-a-generation type of player, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he braced the ground with Lionel Messi for Barcelona and, and all the top players at Barcelona. So to have him come to Australia was an honour.
0: Um. So then how did you sort of end up in Germany uh, at Fortune Düsseldorf?
1: Yeah, so with the city, um, at Melbourne City, you know, I probably played one, one bad game or two bad games. Mm-hmm. Then when you're a young boy, you kind of have go dips in, in and out of form a little bit, and, yeah. um, you know, and that's just football, mate. Sometimes it happens. It's, it's quite a ruthless um, industry. All sports mm-hmm. are, but football is definitely, and you've got to be prepared to take your chance. And if you don't, then the next person will come along. So, I kind of realized that oh, maybe I'll go give it a crack over in, in Fortuna and through um, a couple of, um, you know, phone calls ended up, you know, why not c- come over and give it a crack. So was there for a two and a half week trial in Fortuna and was lucky enough to play quite well in a couple of practice games that we had and ended up signing a two year contract over there, predominantly with the second team and, and uh-huh. um, playing over in the, the fourth tier in Germany, which has the likes of, you know, Mönchengladbach second side and, Mm-hmm. side so it's still a, a very high level um and a lot of great players over there um but yeah as i said once i once i got over there in a training camp they're, they're quite um they train quite intense over yeah. there quite different to the a league where you're only maybe training once a, once a day or whatever you're doing two or three mm-hmm. sessions and unfortunately in a training camp when i got over there i um snapped my knee in in korea oh. with the tendon bone, which was never which was uh not nice but um, managed to play a few games um, whilst I was over there um, in the fourth tier, which is a great experience. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, just obviously through injuries and stuff like that, mate, it makes it tough to get on the park.
0: Can you take me through that injury of snapping your patella bone?
1: Yeah, I was, oh, we, we went to a training camp in South Korea, Max, and um, as I said, mate, like it's it's, you know, when you're over there, full-time footballer, Mm-hmm. training hard and, and probably as a young boy still I was only 20 21 at the time my body hadn't fully developed and I probably wasn't mm-hmm. used to the level of training that I was going through there you know we we're doing mm-hmm. triple sessions in Korea cool. um, training, you know and it was it was mm-hmm. tough on the body and, and um, I think one thing is your body has to have time to adapt and mm-hmm. I can remember my knee feeling really sore and sore and I kept playing through it because I was like I don't want to let the coaches down I don't want to be mm-hmm. that guy that just comes in and and, you know sits on the sideline i got a sore knee coach and mm-hmm. i don't want that reputation and then yeah. anyway in a game i just felt it go and i could hardly wow. I could hardly walk after it so unfortunate things happen in football and, and sport in general and i think it's the the setbacks that make you stronger but um but yeah i definitely learned a lot over there in germany um mm-hmm. and for a footballing nation they're one of the best in the world so a lot of the boys i went and played with over there are now playing at top tier clubs in europe um mm-hmm. still keep in contact with them now um and yeah, no, really good experience.
0: So while studying law, um, and I guess playing overseas, why did you decide to study law, and what was that like? Um, you know, start. I'm um, trying to get your law degree while playing professional
1: football. Yeah, it's look, it's it's something that not everyone wants to do when they're. A professional footballer or sports person, but mm-hmm. um I always had the kind of goal in my head that I, I wanted to keep my off-field studies or, or do something off-field as well because I understand and I'm a realist that not everyone goes on to have 10-year careers or yeah, you know, um and and hit the heights of the, the top players. So whilst I was, you know, finishing uh whilst I was playing, sorry, um at both Melbourne City and um in Germany, I was doing my law degree just plugging away mm-hmm. at it. Um and yeah, I kept that going so. Um, lucky enough for me I, I did because um, as I said I had something to fall back on after that and I've always had a quite a um, passion for law and business mm-hmm. and being involved in, in in helping people as well um, yeah. so, um, that's one of the reasons why I kept that going through my sporting career.
0: Did you find it hard um, playing football while you know studying a law degree?
1: Yeah look it, it is difficult but you know when you're a professional f- if for instance in soccer you know we we train in the morning and we might have a session in the afternoon here or there or we might have a gym session or a team mm-hmm. lunch but you also do have a lot of downtime so um and as i said it's not for everyone some boys choose or some females choose not to to study um while they're playing but mm-hmm. i was just of the opinion that i wanted to do that so i um yeah there were sometimes i didn't want to do it after a yeah. game or after <laughs> practice and you're really tired and you're like oh, I can't be bothered doing this but you know what like I'm really happy I did and, and I made that choice because um yeah now I'm, I'm studying the law and um I enjoy it and and as I said I like helping people and like being involved in their their businesses and, and seeing how um you know I can play a part and help them um take their businesses or whatever they want to do to, to the next level
0: did you ever have a time where maybe your law exams um clashed with games or end of season trips to and Bay
1: yeah, probably both, mate. To be honest, a few, <laughs> few end of season trips where I was uh might push the law exam back a little bit and say yeah say <laughs> I that a Byron Bay, but that um, mm-hmm. yeah, no one needs to know about that. Nah, it's uh of course there was, but you know quite lucky that um the whole kind of push for athletes to also study and be a part of something else outside of what they were um, doing as an athlete was, mm-hmm. was quite large at, at universities. And my uni was really good for that. I was, I went to the Queensland university of technology and they looked after me a lot and um, understood that I did have commitments as an athlete mm-hmm. and they tried to work around those with me as best as possible. So I was very fortunate in that circumstance. And obviously I'm very thankful for that.
0: So playing soccer uh, with Port Melbourne
1: sharks right now, how are you going? Yeah, look, mate, back in, um, yeah the NPL land and, and, and Vic and, you know, it's been tough mm-hmm. for everyone in the last few years with COVID at the semi-pro level. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, stop start seasons and yeah. you know, boys moving from interstate and coming to play. Like we, we've got a few boys from interstate and they've had to go back because of COVID mm-hmm. and that. So, Looking forward to hopefully touch wood that next year we get a full season out and I'm at Port Melbourne again next year. So looking forward to a good bunch of boys there. Um, mm-hmm. It's a strong competition down here in the MPL There's a lot of boys that I believe are good enough to go and play in the A-League level. Mm-hmm. If the opportunity, um, a lot of good young boys coming through. So I'm excited to be a part of that and see how we go.
0: Um. So who was the most famous player you think um you've been on the pitch with?
1: Oh, look, I I can't go past probably David Villa, to be honest. Um, Yeah. As as I said, I was lucky enough to play with him in the same team and as the the guys won it all and played for Spain at World Cups and Mm -hmm. won World Cups, Champions Leagues, arguably one of the best strikers to ever grace the game. So, Mm -hmm. as I said, very fortunate to play with a player like that and and I was lucky enough to only play a handful of games, but Mm -hmm. my handful of games were with someone like that quality and, and as I said, Damien Duff as well, who, you know, absolute gentleman, off the field, uh, mm-hmm. unbelievable footballer on the field, those two guys really stand out for me.
0: What's the best bit um, about being a lawyer?
1: Yeah, as I said, it's it's stimulating. It It's, you know, you nev- each day is different. You always have different mm-hmm. problems and probably that problem-solving part as well, helping people. And I work in the corporate commercial side of law. So mm-hmm. transactional businesses, um, working with people's businesses, working with them to see how we can do things better and making sure that, they're protected when they go into business and have confidence going into to their business ventures. So that's that's our role as the advisor, I'm trusted advisor for for our clients. So I really love the day to day problem solving, the knowledge, um, you know, getting to know the client and and what they want and and how we can help them is also building great relationships. Um, and and yeah, I just I just think that. Um, throws up a lot of challenges so a bit yeah. like a lot of challenges that come but it's how you how you can overcome those challenges
0: um, what would be your best advice to anyone who wants to be a professional soccer player and be successful and play overseas like yourself
1: yeah look as I said Max like I didn't have an unbelievable career or anything like that I was lucky enough to play professionally for a few years mm-hmm. but um you know just you've got to really want it and you've got to be able to, you know, put the distractions aside, especially when you're coming through and those distractions do start at probably 15, 16, 17, where you might want to go do something else. You might want to go out, you might not want to go do the gym session or you might want to go and see your mates instead. And I think there's a balance to be struck, but you definitely from my um, experience, the players that do make it majority of them have got that work ethic and that desire to make it um, and that mm-hmm. real drive. So I think you've also got to be a bit lucky as well in sport. You know, there's a there's a, there's a lot of talent out there. Um, you know, you obviously have your high-end talent, but then there's probably another block with, you know, the majority of players sit and luck does come into a little bit, but I also think you create your own luck and that's through working hard and, and being dedicated at your craft. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that would be the key takeaway.
0: Uh, thanks, Ross, for coming on the podcast today, putting aside, uh, you know, half an hour or so of your time to come and have a chat. It's been an honour to have you on.
1: Thanks, Max. Appreciate it, mate. Chat soon.
0: Thanks, Ross. Stay tuned, Never some more Sporting Max.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Sporting Max. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify or YouTube and be sure to follow our socials. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link. This is The Voice of Melbourne and we'll see you back here real soon for another episode of Sporting Max.